Welcome to Fielding Questions, a podcast produced in collaboration between Ag Country Farm Credit Services and the Red River Farm Network that explores the world of farm finance and rural life. In this week's edition of Fielding Questions podcast from Ag Country Farm Credit Services, we're visiting with market education specialist Katie Tangen. Katie, as we begin, we had the USDA's January supply demand report out mid-month. Are we still trading that or have we moved past that? I think we moved past that pretty quickly this time. You know, a lot of times mid-January gets to be volatile. We have so many reports that come out in one day. We have the WASDE report and there's quarterly grain stocks, you know, final crop production numbers, um, winter wheat plantings, and really, you know, there were a few minor surprises here and there, but for the most part, all those reports were fairly close to what would have been expected. And so we, you know, marched through it and turned our attention to South America and maybe a little bit towards, you know, the 2022 crop year um, pretty quickly. Seems like that South American crop uh, keeps getting a little smaller here all the time, even though they have gotten some rains here recently. You know, it has. One caution about that is it's still, you know, fairly early in their production season, maybe close to around the first week of July or you know, maybe headed to the middle of July, but these, you know, there's still time. They are dry, more so to the south. In Brazil, Argentina has had its issues. It seems like lately they've gotten a few little rains, maybe enough to keep them going. Um, the other part is initially they were all projected to have record crops. So we may not have a record, but doesn't mean we have a bad crop. There's a lot of middle ground in there. And the market sometimes struggles with middle ground, you know, it's always really, really good or it's really, really bad. And then once it happens, it's kind of just like, oh, well, you know, really wasn't too much one way or the other. And I think that'll moderate over time, especially as we get closer to harvest. Um, when you look at cash bids off the P&W, which would be one indication, you know, if, if China or other Southeast Asian buyers were really concerned about the Brazil crop not being big enough, we would probably start to see some buying interest there. But really, once you get past first two weeks of March, there's not much there, which is very normal. I mean, this isn't something that would disrupt the market, but it is kind of an indication that buyers um, aren't real panicked at this point. Yeah. I heard uh, on Friday we did see maybe a little bit of insurance buying by China, huh? A little bit, but not, I mean, these are, it's still pretty normal for them to do some at this point. You know, we ship usually mid-February, things start to change over, um, and obviously until they take those cargoes, they're always at risk of cancellation. We don't know that yet. Um, One thing, USDA in the report for WASDE, they did cut production fairly substantially, but they did not cut Brazilian export numbers. So at this point, they are um, purely pulling down their own carryout, according to USDA's outlook. If we see further cuts in February, that might start to change a little bit, but not anything massive. Remember that Brazil sold quite a bit into our traditional um, sales season as well. So there's a little bit of catch-up on business we lost in the first half. Well, no, not only that, but with uh, the hurricane too earlier, uh, late last or last year, uh, that uh, had an impact too on our exports. It did. So, you know, we really need, <laughs> it would really it would help everybody out, I think, if we could ship a few more soybeans. Now, all that said, we have plenty of risk priced into that market. Um, we need something new 
you have to feed that market the South American story, unless it continues to get worse over the next few weeks, um, really is more or less been priced in. Uh, but we are seeing a lot of outside money coming in. We are seeing a lot of concerns about, you know, inflation, which is generally fairly friendly to commodities. Um, and then also we have the uh, crop insurance um, pricing period that will start here on Tuesday, uh, February 1st. And then, you know, that, that'll be our baseline for our crop insurance numbers for 2022. Typically, the grain markets tend to be more supported through that February month because of that, don't they? They tend to be that way. And I don't know if it's totally because of that or if there's some other numbers. But what it does do is give us a good idea of where our protection is going to lay. Now, um, we have very high prices. You know, for corn, this is the highest we've had, and it's been a very long time since we could sell three years of crop over five dollars cash. You know, we could do twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, and that's all great. We'll get some of that factored in for crop insurance. Remember, that's just a futures price; they don't take into account basis. But the flip side is, we have a lot more dollars invested in a crop as well for twenty twenty two. So we have more risk on the table, and this baseline, you know, revenue protection number is going to be our, you know, not exactly a put, but this is, we know we're guaranteed this much revenue per acre. So we can work with that number going forward. Do With that known, then do we dare go out look at 23 crop then or not? You know, I don't think it hurts to look at 23. Um, there's a lot of good points to pricing at this level. You, there's a few things you got to, you don't get too carried away with it because we don't know what our input costs are going to be. And we also want some flexibility to change acres a little bit one way or the other if we need to, depending on prices. I don't think doing, you know, 10% is going to hurt anybody, 10, 15%, but you got to be a little bit cautious. Like I said, leave yourself some flexibilities because we still got about a year and a half before. Right. And the big unknown. Would be harvested. Yeah. And the big unknown is if we get a crop or not after the drought we had last year. Exactly. And so that you want something left to reward the market. There's nothing wrong with these price levels. I think there's a lot of good things about them. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, a little bit like a choke on a, <laughs> on a lawnmower or something. You gotta, if you need a little bit more, you open it up. And if you need a little bit less risk, you sell a little bit more, but we got a lot of time. Yeah, and, that, and that's the big factor. Are there ways that we can take advantage? Or I imagine there, with uh, through options or those types of things, uh, we could probably lock in something without having the physical commodity at risk. Um, there are, and, and you can do options out the far. They're going to be very expensive, um, just because of the time involved at this point, and then high high price levels. I think from a cash management standpoint. If you can do a little bit, you'd still have the physical, but, you know, doing an HT at an elevator might be your best bet because then you won't have the margin for 18 months and not knowing how much options are going to be expensive. Yes, elevators are going to charge a fee for that hedge to arrive, but that eight, 10 cents, whatever it is, might be pretty small compared to a, a year and a half of carrying a margin balance. How about the basis side of things? Um, nearby, you know, we've 
seen a little bit of a weakening in, in spots, but still historically very, very strong, especially for North Dakota. I think we stay that way. Obviously, we had a shorter crop. Um, demand is is pretty good. As far as the 2022 crop, um, there are some very nice basis levels out there. Not every place is offering them, but they are available. And I think, you know, if we're on the real strong side, because I have seen some new crop corn, you know, 35 under, a little bit further north, and maybe a little bit narrower as you go south, those aren't bad spots to set a little bit if you already have some sold. Yeah. And that makes a good point, too, about maybe putting in some offers at elevators in case something would happen to trigger those prices. You'd at least be able to take advantage of it. And I think that's an excellent point, especially when we get markets as volatile and as fast moving as we've had. It's really easy to get hung up on, well, you know, I want, I wanted six dollar corn. I wanted six dollar corn. Well, now we're six dollar corn, and what does everybody want? Well, I want six fifty, or I want seven dollars. And just to kind of take some of that emotion out of it, I think having those offers in and preset, and then just leaving them alone for the most part is the way to go. That doesn't mean you know, big picture, if something happens, we can't change some of those orders. But for the most part, we just need to set it and let it work. Yeah, exactly. Katie, if somebody wants more information, how do they get a hold of you? They can get a hold of us uh, going to www.agcountry.com. We have a list of all of our locations and phone numbers there. Uh, We also have, you know, tax preparation and succession and retirement planning. And then obviously um, the loan side of things as well, crop insurance. Um, So just call the location by you and we can get you hooked up with uh, what you need. Our guest has been market education specialist, Katie Tangen. If you have a question about a financial topic, we'd love to hear from you. You can send Ag Country a message on Facebook, tweet at them on Twitter, or submit your question using the website at agcountry.com. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Randy Coney.